0: Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Report podcast. I'm your host, Vago Maradian. Our podcast is brought to you by Bell since 1935. Bell has been redefining flight. Learn more about its pioneering spirit at bellflight.com. Joining us today is Tristan Crawford, the CEO of Aralis, an innovative British company that's developing a family of truly modular aircraft That can be manned or unmanned for strike, training, or intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance, with a common center fuselage that can accept a range of power plants, wings, cockpits, mission modules, and the like, to not only reduce acquisition costs, but make future upgrades easier and more economical. Tristan, thanks so very much for joining us. Absolute pleasure having you on the program.
1: Absolutely. A pleasure, too, and Thank you very much for the opportunity to... uh talk a little bit further about our exciting program and uh, tell you a little bit more about it.
0: Before we get started, our global coverage is sponsored by Leonardo DRS. Fortress Information Security sponsors our weekly cyber report and Northrop Grumman supports our cyber coverage overall. General Atomics Aeronautical Systems sponsors our strategy coverage, ultra intelligence and communications. Sponsors our command and control coverage and our coverage of the Air and Space Force Association's annual airspace cyber conference and trade show was sponsored by Leonardo DRS. Tristan, uh, thanks very much again for joining us. I mean, it is one of the most intriguing programs I've seen. I sort of admire your approach. I think we should recognize, I don't think history is full of a lot of examples of folks doing this, but man, as we discussed, right, manufacturing technology, uh, uh, digital design threads and the like, Uh, make all of this easier, right? I mean, there's a lot of things we can now do on computational fluid dynamics that make your life easier, because everything you change on an airplane affects everything else uh, on an Mm -hmm. airplane. Um, I spoke with Air Force Secretary Frank Kendall at Farnborough, and he mentioned uh, the notion that the future needs more modular aircraft uh, in, in order to be able to uh, take care of some of these needs. I've got no skin in this game, and I'm not acting as, as a broker in any capacity. But this is exactly what it is you're doing. The question is how, how you make it work. Um, you know, and, the, and of course, as you know, the criticism is, well, you know, when you modularize your multi-mission, it's never as good at the mission it's doing than something that, that's yeah. tailored. Yeah. Why is the modular approach the right approach? And, and tell us a little bit about how you guys uh, are pursuing this because actually, what, it's like six or eight base models, but then the variations are infinite, which, which is attractive, but also potentially problematic in execution. First, first make mm-hmm. us the case why modular is the, is the right way to go in this market at this time.
1: Yeah, so the modular approach uh, is uh, really as a result of my having grown up in the civil aircraft industry, where uh, I worked for a company that developed uh, and sold a large number of uh, a family of aircraft uh, to the airlines all with a common uh, spare system, a common simulator system, common ILS system that generates a lot of uh, savings for the airlines. When I moved across to the defense industry, uh, I could see that this was uh, not a practice that was widely adopted. And so that led us to uh, think about scaling that that system down uh, and applying it at a small jet level. Uh, to generate the same kind of savings for the customer.
0: And one of the things that you're talking about, right, is mixed fleet, right? Everybody uh, has fighters or strike airplanes, trainers, uh, as well as intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance planes, and to try to reduce that cost of ownership across uh, the, the, the piece. Um, hmm. you guys did a lot of work to try to figure out what that size uh, footprint is your airplane is roughly hawk sized uh, it's it's a it's a two-person uh, aircraft but it also could be completely unmanned. Talk to us about what yeah. the base characteristics uh, of this uh, core is uh, in terms of speed altitude payload the like uh, that you know because you guys did actually a global study of what it is that most people, need, right? Not everybody needs an F-35.
1: Right. Uh, We focused primarily on uh, accessing uh, initially the training market because that's where the the world's air forces are looking to recapitalize their their training aircraft fleets, whereas a company we'd be able to grow in the the most expeditious way. Uh, And we also saw that sizing the aircraft around the AJT kind of space was the the best way to keep the aircraft affordable and the development uh, time down while still being able to carry a decent amount of fuel payload and achieve a, a good mission spec. Uh, and from that design point, when we expand that out uh, into uh, roles like uh, basic training or up into uh, light tanking or ISR, uh, or even into the adjunct space, so the law women's type space, uh, we still uh, got strong overlap with the capability required in those areas too from that central AJT point. So for us,
0: commercially, economically, it makes a lot of sense. What gives you an edge to do this, right? Nobody has ever done anything, I don't think, and I'm sure there is somebody in our audience that will uh, correct me, right? There are different variants of a common airplane. Um, mm. you know, For example, you know the A4 had a tanking version of an A4, a strike version of an A4. But mm. what you guys are doing is actually unique in the ability to make a modularized power plant modularized wings. Uh, mm. You're using a navalized structure right? because you guys are uh, going to go after uh, the US Navy's uh, trainer program to replace the goshawk, uh, which is a modified version of, of the hawk trainer. Uh, and, but you, know, you mentioned there were a whole bunch of advantages to have beefier landing, your beefier keel, uh, beefier wing spars. Um, talk to us about how technologically, Tristan, you're actually going to achieve this because anything you change on an airplane causes everything else on an airplane to change, right? You guys have a fuel tank, for example, you can put behind the cockpit as well to extend range. How are you guys working this so that that common structure can actually address all of these different needs and these different modifications without creating different sorts of headaches for yourself? Mm. Which has always been the bugaboo in this.
1: Obviously, the, the key point is we're making a family of airplanes that uh, each uh, have their own specific wing uh, and, and engine solution, but all off the same common core. And the trick is, uh, as you can imagine, is, is sizing the common core to meet the worst case performance envelope of one of those variants. And that's where the, the clever bit comes in. And that's where we've done the hard work across those different mission spaces to look at the worst case uh, structural loads uh, on that common core uh, designed for that. And through that, we take care of uh, all the other mission roles that, we, uh, that we've been describing. Uh, with uh, And the penalty for that is, it's, is, a, is an acceptable penalty that still delivers good mission capability across those other roles. We're fully clear that when you stray outside of that space, the modularity penalty becomes too much and we don't go outside, outside that space. Uh, but we're very confident that uh, with the sizing we've done on the Common Core, we comfortably... Uh, cover off those other roles whilst also making a a very strong central structure that actually gives us a very good long service life, which is another benefit of taking that approach.
0: And so explain to people, you're not talking about, you know, a customer, you know, sort of constantly changing wings and power plants, right? Um, You know, how is it that most people would use this? Because actually one of its great advantages is on the acquisition cost side, but also right upgrade and sustainability
1: it's all part of the commercial model for the aircraft. And at the end of the day, we're all about making an aircraft much more commercially successful and healthy as a program by the approach we're taking. So uh, whilst uh, at the same time, you're getting the benefit of a reduced acquisition cost because we're selling into a much wider market so we can amortize our costs across, across a much wider market. It also means that it's much quicker and more affordable to upgrade your aircraft while keeping the same common core by uh, adapting uh, the wing and the engine to meet a new mission role uh, that uh, gives you another uh, jump in performance whilst keeping the core of the aircraft the same. So in terms of midlife upgrades, uh, this is why we design the aeroplane we do. We're designing effectively an evergreen aircraft system that can carry on for a long period of time and be reused again and again. Also playing into the sustainability argument that we're not having to develop different aeroplanes uh, along the program, we're all keeping the same core the, right the way through, uh, a much more sustainable way of working.
0: Um, let me uh, ask you a question that I think many will ask, right? I mean, the trainer market is a very, very full market. Um, you've mm-hmm. got the 346th uh, that's in the uh, market. Uh, Leonardo DRS is our uh, sponsor, and that airplane mm-hmm. is being proposed for uh, the US Navy's uh, requirement, a marinized version of it. Um, we've got the T7. Uh, which is a new entrant in the market. You have the T fifty uh, that's already in the market, and indeed, uh, Korean Aerospace Industries is is looking to, uh, you know, turn that is a light strike fighter. Mm. Uh, in fact, is one of the proposals we're looking at the T seven doing that as well. And then you had the Airland guys with the Scorpion that's now part of Textron, uh, and obviously Textron is one of our sponsors. Um, you know, th- did not succeed in being able to have a little bit more of a uh manned unmanned uh, approach in a flexible aircraft system what mm. is it that gives you think you know gives you guys an edge in what is kind of a crowded market and people have a tendency sure. of buying sort of more what they know than what they don't
1: i think uh without re- revealing the figures which is some of the uh the ip that we have uh effectively we saw that there is um uh, a size and weight of aircraft uh, beyond which uh, the cost of that aircraft, because of the, the amount that it weighs, starts to get beyond the reach of the majority of customers. Uh, as you know, uh, aircraft price is strongly related to the operating empty mass of the, uh, of the aircraft. Uh, and we, we saw that uh, the, uh, the way to, keep, to, to be able to scale this aircraft, uh, the scale the sales of this aircraft up, you cannot let the weight of the aircraft get beyond a certain point. Um, and we saw that by keeping the aircraft size where it is and the weight where it is, uh, uh, with the capability of the flexible wing and engine, we would still meet the uh, vast majority of customers' training requirements and other light support, uh, air support requirements, whilst keeping the uh, development cost and acquisition costs down. So we don't hit that cliff edge. Um, where the the market starts to find it a tough call to to buy that aircraft, um, those other aircraft in the market are superb airplanes. Uh, they do their job extremely well, uh, but they are expensive, um, and that's where uh, that's where we're looking to uh, provide a different kind of solution.
0: Tristan, how does it you convince a lot of uh, countries? that you guys are the right approach, right? I mean, the market is awash with F-16s. The Airland guys, hmm. the Scorpion guys thought the Philippines would be an ideal customer, lower operating costs, right? Using business jet engines. Hmm. And ultimately, Manila yep. went for F-16s at the end of the day. Um, how, how hmm. you know what What's the work that you guys are doing to get through to the customer? Because some of these cheaper systems are actually um, better suited for some of these customers. And yet they ended up they often end up with with used sort of high-end fighters that are a lot more expensive to operate.
1: It's clear, first of all, that uh, we need to talk about the, the the scope of the system. So clearly, uh, when we're talking about F-16s and upwards, that's outside the scope of what uh, what Araris does. We are in the uh, in the air support domain, spanning uh, flying training, operational training, uh, and the light air support roles uh, around that. Um, and uh, uh, when you start to add on the lifecycle cost benefits of the common core. Uh, and the common spare parts, et cetera, as you add variance, the, the cost per hour and the acquisition cost uh, fall significantly. Uh, so even versus uh, buying uh, those uh, those cheap F-16s, uh, we're still more effective than that on cost. Uh, I think uh, for those customers who are looking at their, uh, their overall fleet solution, uh, and we're coming to that point in the market where a lot of customers are seeing that they've got a lot of aging airplanes, um, a, a training system which is disjointed, and they're going to have to reconfigure for things like uncrewed in the future uh, and how to train their, their pilots differently. That they uh, The advantages of having a new aircraft system that is spanning across most, if not all of their needs at a new price point is going to be very, very compelling.
0: Let me uh, take you uh, and give you a minute to uh, let everybody know what timescales you're working on uh, and what's next. Uh, Obviously, you guys are interested in the U.S. Navy's trainer program. Uh, There are other opportunities you're interested in. And a lot of people who are listening to this will go, wow, smart guy, great idea, great slide deck. He's got some money. Where are you in terms of of landing um, contracts on this? Uh, that then, you know, bolster your bona fides uh, and and the like. Mm. Bring us up to speed on where the enterprise is at the moment.
1: Sure, uh, I I won't comment on particular sales campaigns or contracts, but I what I what I am able to say is that first and foremost, uh, we've had a lot of uh, excellent support from the UK government, uh, from the MOD and the Royal Air Force. Uh, we do have uh, uh, a commercial agreement with the Air Force to work on particularly. The, uh, the digital engineering and open architecture as- aspects of the aircraft uh, to support the Air Force's own capability development uh, work. Uh, and that has attracted uh, commercial private funding uh, into the program. Uh, and in turn that has attracted uh, the strong interest of industry. Uh, so we have uh, partners who are taking on uh, some of the development risk uh, around us uh, and we effectively become the uh, the the high level integrator of the aircraft uh, with industry taking on some of the commercial risk to bring the whole system together. So very exciting times. And uh, with that, uh, using a predominantly off the shelf approach to much of the technology, which which is there and it's available, uh, we're looking to fly around about the middle of the decade, 2025, where we believe the market uh, will will see the penny drop, if you will, when they see the benefit of having a common core, that is able to do a much broader range of roles uh, using the modularity at a new price point. Uh, and just like in the civil market, there'll be no turning back from that point.
0: So you're not just talking about you know, acquisition as in a country buys it, but you're actually considering this as also as in the commercial air, uh, aviation space to be leased assets, right? I mean, how is that potentially the most game-changing or as game-changing an approach to your original design architecture on this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We designed the aircraft uh, with the knowledge that uh, the civil aircraft market has has taken on big time the advantages of uh, operating aeroplanes through leasing companies, which give customers enormous uh, competitive commercial advantage and flexibility, and making sure we build that into our design. So what does that mean? That means that Uh, we provide alternative solution to defense aviation in the air support space when it comes to training and air support that in the future, the military customer, instead of having to buy uh, assets through the the conventional process, uh, they can actually use annual budgets to buy a service uh, through a defense aviation service company, which uses our aircraft as a commercial asset, much like an airline does Uh, makes, uh, sweats the asset uh, to get the most out of it. And with the modularity, uh, uses the common spares pool and ILS system to protect the bottom line and make sure that the whole system is profitable. That's really game changing in the defense market. uh, And that's only going to grow in our opinion.
0: Is this something that you guys, uh, Tristan, can do on your own? Or is this something at some point you will have to partner, whether it's with a BAE or or a Lockheed or a Boeing or a Northrop or any other larger prime that has, um, a little bit more financial heft and commercial footprint and in, uh, an industrial capacity, right? I mean, because you guys are not just designing it, you're also going to have to build it, even though modern technology allows a small innovative manufacturer to actually punch well above its weight.
1: We're already partnering with some of the, those large companies now. Um, and uh, where it fits, we uh, we are expecting to partner with uh, some of the larger companies. Uh, I think it's also worth saying that um, when you look into the history of this, for this size of aircraft, the the size of team you need to pull this together isn't isn't very large. Uh, And certainly there are some good examples, Hawk being one of them, where a small private venture uh, actually developed that airplane very fast. Um, And that was uh, back in the day without uh, without some of the processes and tools we have today. Uh, So there will be a degree of industrial partnering. It doesn't have to be too heavy. Um, And uh, to stay agile, we're gonna keep it quite lean. Um, but finding the right balance is certainly the way we're going to do that. Um, and also to be able, able to access some of the markets, it'll so be a key factor uh, and doing that in the right, with the right commercial construct will be critical. And that's exactly what Eralis
0: is all about uh, putting in place. Tristan, thanks so very much for spending time with us. Absolutely fascinating. We wish you all the very best of luck uh, going forward and look forward to staying in touch with you guys uh, try to do something uh, that a lot of people have thought about, but nobody's been able to really pull off. So, uh, best of luck and break a leg in the process. Thank you very much, Varga.
1: Thank you for uh, the opportunity to talk about Rolex.